so I had like a short pity party where I was like oh my god I suck at this and then I was like okay I have to make this work and at that point I realized that I had a weak spot and I needed to invest in sales training specifically high ticket sales you're listening to the Freedom Lifestyle podcast series. I'm sharing relatable stories of freedom seekers who ditched conventional office life and courageously asked for more. The energy just completely shifted. My entire being just felt so free. My business was still generating income while I was on the beach. I decided to quit and just stay at home. I really can't work for anyone but me. It's literally just doing whatever the hell you want to do. As for me, I'm your host, Sam, and I've spent the last four years creating a business that allows me to work from anywhere. The Freedom Lifestyle looks different for everyone. What's your free? Welcome to another episode. I am so happy you're here today and that you're going to get to meet Jade Hernandez. Jade is a camouflage tattoo artist who helps conceal stretch marks and scars using permanent ink. And this unique business model that I've literally never even heard before wasn't even what impressed me most about Jade and why I really wanted to have her on the podcast. She is a serial entrepreneur who's always been extremely thoughtful and strategic when it comes to the sales and the marketing strategies she implements for her businesses. But not all of her past businesses have been a massive success. There was a breakthrough moment when she received professional sales training. And really what the sales training got her to do was to implement a sales script. And a sales script is just a way of planning out a call. When you hop on a call with someone who's reaching out to you and says, Hey, I, I'm curious about your services, or I might want to learn more, or, you know, maybe on your business website, you have a hop on a free call to explore working together. Well, just by implementing a sales script and thinking through how she wants to run those calls, she jumped from a 10% to a 60% close rate. And now her business is thriving. In this episode, she doesn't hold back. I thought she was extremely generous with her time and her knowledge in this episode. I've already been implementing tips that she gave me. So this is going to be one where you're going to want to have a notebook close by or perhaps just a note-taking app on your phone because it's so nice to multitask and go for walks while podcasting. In this episode, she gives us the step-by-step script and exactly what she says on each call and a strategy that we could all implement regardless of what our business is. We also touch on social media and how for every post that she does on social media about her business, it needs to check off one of three boxes. I'm sure you can already tell this is a very strategic episode that is rooted in proven marketing tactics backed by a badass female entrepreneur who has just found a way to teach herself a really unique and in-demand skill and create a very successful business from it. So I'm so excited for you to meet Jade. But before that, I need to take a second and tell you about Descript. This is the tool that I now use to exclusively edit all of my podcast episodes very easily. When I say easy, I'm talking, I literally bring in an audio file or a video project and the tool immediately turns it into what looks like a Google Doc where I can now erase sections of the podcast episode, move things around, hit control find to find parts of it and edit it exactly like I would a doc. 
If you're following me on Instagram, all of the reels that I've been creating to promote this season, I have actually been creating on Descript. So it's a very, very powerful tool. And I've included my referral link in the show notes. Through that link, your first 90 minutes of transcription is free. And now for today's episode of The Freedom Lifestyle. Jade, welcome to the Freedom Lifestyle Podcast. How's it going? Good. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm so happy that you're here with us as well. We only recently met. We've had one call together. And so these are sometimes my favorite podcast interviews where I actually don't know a lot of these answers. So I'm going to ask things that I genuinely want to know because I don't know you that well, but I do know that when we met, you really impressed me. So I was like, I have to have her on the show. Well, thanks so much. So I'm a camouflage tattoo artist here in Arizona, and Sam and I met because I actually was in the process of launching my own podcast, and she had amazing reviews on Fiverr, which I loved. I got so much information from you. But camouflage tattooing, a lot of people don't know what that means, and it's kind of a a name that I came up with, but I'm a tattoo artist, but not your average tattoo artist that does designs. Everything I do is in regards to the niche of camouflage. So I think of myself as a modern day magician. I help conceal stretch marks, scars, and hair loss with permanent ink. And then just recently, I've been doing a lot of the areola nipple tattoos for cancer survivors who have had a mastectomy, which means that they lost their breasts. And oftentimes they can't spare the nipple during those reconstructive surgeries. And so I give the illusion of a three-dimensional areola or nipple. And so that's really cool. And we can do a lot of things through the art of ink, but everything that I do is really to give the illusion that something isn't there or that something looks as realistic as possible. And you're very dedicated to your craft. I know when we first met, I followed you on Instagram and I looked at some of your reels and I watched your progress on how you started with the areola and how you've been wanting to improve it and how important it was for you for it to feel real and look real. And you seem quite committed to it being perfect. You know, I think like as an artist, you definitely want to do your best work, but the whole perfectionism thing, I know for a fact, just from what I've seen and what I've experienced years down the road, there's no such thing as perfectionism. So I try not to even go down that road. And actually, even when I do consultations with people, because of what I do, I'm helping people with their scars or their stretch marks or even their breasts. And there's a lot of this emotional baggage that they carry with those stories. Like, I mean, I even help people with trying to cover their self-harm scars. And so when I'm in consultation with them, I even need to know as an artist that is potentially going to provide this service to them that they're not looking for perfection. So I won't even take on a client that is expecting perfection. They need to have a level of acceptance that If there's an improvement in appearance and they'd be happy with that, then I know that we're on the same page. So I think even as an artist, like just being in full integrity, it's important for me to be okay too, knowing that I'm working on compromised skin and that it's not always going to be perfect. It's not even going to be close to perfect, but if I can get an improvement, whether that's 30, 50%, 70%, then I know that that's what I'm aiming for. Such a good answer. And what you're doing is really important, life-changing work, it sounds like. From the business side of it, would you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Like, is this a business where you've built an individual name for yourself, or do you do these services as part of a company? I'm not even sure how this stuff works. 
I am an entrepreneur, I'm a solopreneur, and this is my business, but in everything that I do, so I've I've owned several businesses in the past, not all of them have been a success, and I think that's just part of that long road of entrepreneurship, but I always try and market and brand myself bigger than I am from the very beginning, and so I think a lot of people, when they look at Studio Conceal, which is the name of my company, they think it's like a full team because often in my marketing, I talk about we, we provide this, thank you for this, we appreciate you, when really it's me. And I do have people that I work with, like I have an assistant, and then I'm definitely a huge advocate for outsourcing and delegating a lot of things to help grow my business that I'm not an expert in, nor do I have the passion to be. I love Fiverr or Upwork and I will meet other people to help grow my business. So I guess in a way there is a team, but really it's only one person who's doing the tattooing, which is me. Do you have a lot of competition or? I do believe because of the services that I offer, I would consider them high ticket. So when I say high ticket, the minimum that I charge is $500, but it's very easy for me to quote people thousands of dollars for their services. And because it's high ticket, People want to be sure that they're going to be investing in someone that they trust. And so I do think it's really important that I put myself out there and to really put my personality, do videos so that way people can really get to know me. And then when they meet me in person or virtually for a consultation, everything is congruent. It's almost like dating. You want to be sure that when you look at someone's profile and you're reading their bio and then you talk to them on the phone or you meet with them in person, like everything is congruent with who you think they are. And so I'm a huge advocate for that when it comes to branding yourself because everything is nurturing that high ticket sale and so then when it comes to my competitors yes I have competition but I would say I'm one of the top leading artists in my field because I'm more committed to really Hmm. putting myself out there versus my competitors or the majority of people out there who are a little bit more timid or insecure or nervous or in fear of doing video and talking on camera or even starting a podcast. A lot of people don't really want to put themselves out there because they hate the way that they look, they hate the way that they sound. And so I think because I did that early on in my business is the reason why I was always 10 steps ahead of my competitors. In terms of the self-promotion piece, was that something you had to do in your previous businesses? You've mentioned you've had several, you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur. What type of businesses did you run before and how many of those skills that you learned for those businesses are applicable to this? Before I did camouflage tattooing, I owned an airbrush tanning studio. And same thing, I started with zero clients. I had to do a lot of guerrilla marketing, which was stopping by beauty spas, beauty stores, and dropping off my cards. And emailing people, going on Yelp, seeing anyone who might possibly be aligned with the kind of clientele that I wanted to attract and really put myself out in those ways. And then like when I think about years, years, years ago when I was doing marketing for real estate agents, that was another business. Back then, social media wasn't as prevalent as it is now. And so if I were to think about what I did back then, I think that was more word of mouth and maybe more in-person networking. But now with the internet, it's so much easier to literally drop DMs and it's all a numbers game. So it's so much easier to try and reach people or put yourself out there on social media to promote yourself. What do you mean by it's a numbers game? So when you're in the business of entrepreneurship, all of us are selling and it really is a numbers game 
for every offer that I put out on my social media, I'm just trying to get as many leads in as possible. So when I do my consultations, I know that not everyone is going to hire me. And so for me, it's like the higher that number is, the higher the chance for me to be able to close them as a lead. And so I never take things personally when it comes to sales. I'm all about just volume. And then at that point, of course, there's going to be people weeded out. But I don't think a lot of people extend enough offers because they're afraid of rejection and they are taking it too personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really smart. I follow the same logic when I do my mastermind where there's a short period of time where I have to sell something and thinking about, okay, this is the number of calls I need to book, assuming that this is going to be my percentage close rate of people who actually buy. And therefore, the number you're really playing with is calls booked, right? In your case, consulting calls. And so it's all the different things you can do to get someone on a call, sending emails, social media, doing free webinars. What are some of your best ways to actually get someone to even book a call knowing that it's a numbers game for you? So I have a marketing strategy when it comes to social media and really what it is a sales funnel. So whether or not you love social media or hate social media, I really think in order to build a profitable business, you really need it in today's time. But with social media, not everyone has a game plan of necessarily how to do social media. And because ultimately my goal is to make money, I want to be able to nurture someone from the very beginning as a lead source all the way down to getting them to book a call with me, which is where... I consider that my sales opportunity. So when it comes to social media, I just try and make it easy. Like I'm all about making things really simple so that way it's easier for me to stay consistent with it. And the way that I strategize my social media is I divide it into three categories. So when I'm creating content, I'm always creating content that will either entertain a cold audience, which is someone who doesn't know about you, doesn't care about you. I'm not even trying to sell them. Because it's high ticket, nobody wants to be sold on spending $1,000 to a complete stranger. You have to provide the value first. And so for someone to just simply follow me, that's the only objective is to gain new leads by hoping that they'll follow me or subscribe is simply by providing entertaining content. And I always tell my students, because I also train, I always tell them if you were to scroll through social media and you're just mindlessly scrolling through, the only things that capture your attention, and really that's what I'm trying to do, are either really beautiful images, maybe a meme that's really funny. So it's like you have to instigate some sort of emotion from someone. You have to entertain them, make them feel something or humor them. And at that point, hopefully it's piqued their interest enough that they click your profile and get to know a little bit more about about you or just think that you're really cool and they're just going to follow you instantly. So that's what I would call entertaining content. And then once they start following you, then I'm just educating them. So at that point, I'm just letting them know what it is that I do. So I'm explaining what camouflage tattooing is, why I'm so different, why I'm so cool. And at that point, if they have stretch marks or scars, they may then be like, oh my God, this totally makes sense. This is something that I would love. They're seeing the before and after transformations. And then I move them into what I call content that helps execute. And what I'm trying to do is simply getting them to call me or to fill out a form online to book a consultation. That's my only objective is book your consultation. And so to just reiterate, it's entertain, educate, or execute. And then I just wanted to add with the education part, anytime you educate a client about what it is that you do, marketing-wise, it's just 
that psychology is you always position yourself as an expert. Even if you're a new artist or starting a new company, every time you do videos or content where you're explaining what it is that you're selling, you always position yourself as an expert, which then helps lead the trust for them to book the console and then hopefully hire you. And how do you do that? How do you position yourself as an expert? Is it as simple as saying, I'm an expert in this? Or is there nuances in terms of how you actually claim that spot and claim that role? I think this could apply to everyone. Is I would simply think about the frequently asked questions in your field or your business. And I would literally do videos answering those frequently asked questions. I think that's the easiest way. Smart. Amazing. And now let's talk about what happens when someone's on the call with you. So you've moved them through this funnel. It sounds like primarily on social media. And then how often are you promoting that you offer free calls or free consults? Is this something where you do launch periods where you try to have a bunch of calls over a period of time like me? Or is this something that's an always on offer? So the great thing about social media is once you post something, it's evergreen, like it's there forever. So I will literally have people book a consultation with me that found me on YouTube on a video that I posted two years ago. And usually with something that's high ticket, they're going to look through your website and just get a feel for you and maybe even be looking for pricing and what that's going to look like before they actually fill out a form to consult with you. So I know by the time that they book the consultation, they've already done some research. So I would call that a very warm or hot lead. And once they get into the call, then that's when I use a sales script. So to just back up a little bit, I sucked at sales. So before I was doing camouflage tattooing, I was selling airbrushed hands for $45. So when you think about a $45 ask versus a $500 to $1,000 or $2,000 ask, that's a huge jump. And so in the beginning of my career as a camouflage tattoo artist, out of 10 leads, I was maybe only closing one client. And it got to the point that for every 10 people I would get on a call with, I started doubting myself. And it got to the point where I was like, what's the point in even doing this consultation? Because they're just going to reject me anyways. They're probably going to think it's too expensive. So I had like a short pity party where I was like, oh my God, I suck at this. And then I was like, okay, I have to make this work. And at that point, I realized that I had a weak spot, which was there's a huge difference between selling $45 tans to thousands of dollars. And I needed to invest in sales training and specifically high ticket sales. And so that's when I just started doing research on sales coaches. And I found one that I really liked. I really loved his style and his mindset when it came to sales. So I just signed up for a webinar. I think at the time it was like $59 and I got access to, I don't know, like 50 videos. And the one thing I implemented in my business was a sales script. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but all of the huge franchises, Massage Envy, European wax centers, they all use sales scripts, like when it comes to memberships. And I implemented the sales script. And in the beginning, it sounded extremely robotic because it, it was so foreign to me. So I remember doing these calls and literally looking up and down at my sales script and then making eye contact with them because I do my consultations through FaceTime and just feeling like, oh my God, like this is so robotic. And it was night and day. I kid you not, I immediately started closing 40% of the leads that were coming in. So for every 10 clients, I was getting four of them in simply by using a sales script. And before you were getting one, right? Yes, yes. Before it was like so one in 10? 
Totally. So at this point, this really excited me and motivated me. And then over time, you become more confident with your sales script and it becomes a lot more natural for you. And so at this time, my average closing rate is 60%. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and now you enjoy the process, right? I love the process. I absolutely love the process. And in the beginning, because I was so nervous asking for the sale, knowing that I was about to drop them this huge price bomb, I would let them take the lead during a consultation. And I'd be like, Sam, thanks so much for coming to this console. What can I answer for you? And I would just let them take the lead. And then once I implemented the sales script, looking back now, I realized, oh, that's a huge shift. Because now when someone comes in for a consultation, I'm in full control. So I take the lead and they just follow. And when you think about investing thousands of dollars into someone that you trust, you're going to trust someone who gives off the energy and vibe that they're confident, they're in control, and they're competent, especially when it comes to something so permanent, such as a tattoo. Even psychologically, in the consultation, I'm like, oh my God, I was doing it all wrong in the beginning, which was, of course, they didn't want to invest their money in me. I was letting them take the lead and there's no confidence in that. Whereas if you go to a plastic surgeon and they're like, this is the way things are done. This is the plan that I have for you. You're going to feel so much safer in their hands than you would with someone who's like, oh, what do you want to talk about today? Like coming off like more as a friend to you. So other than taking control in the call, are there any other like secret little things that you include in your sales script that could be applicable to anyone listening to this who might realize, you know what, I just hop on a call and see what happens. What's something really easy that we can start implementing? Sure. So I would say start off with really easy questions in the beginning because, again, they don't know you. They have an inclination of who you are, hopefully, because you've already been doing a ton of social media. So by the time that they actually book a call with you, they're vetting you out. And so in the beginning, people are just naturally more guarded and they don't necessarily know they're going into a sales call or maybe they do. But in the beginning, I would just keep it very simple and just ease them into the call by just simply trying to warm up their guards or to have their guards go down. And so really in the beginning, I just asked them, how did you hear about me? How did you find me? How old are your stretch marks and scars? Like really simple stuff. And then once they've warmed up to me, then I'll start asking them more emotional leading questions. Because anytime we make an investment in something, it is often an emotional purchase. I'll start asking them questions like, what bothers you most about your stretch marks and scars? If you aren't a tattoo artist, I think you can use this in your business by just simply asking them what their pain point is. What are you struggling most about building your website? What are you struggling the most in building your business? Just really like simple questions that they can kind of begin to explain their background or what they're most frustrated in. And then I would ask them, what have you tried in the past to fix X, Y, and Z? And the follow-up question that needs to be asked is, did you notice any success or improvement? And so psychologically, what you're having them do is vent out 
all their frustrations about this problem that hopefully you can solve. That's why they're on this consultation with you. And then the next thing is you want to ask them, like, what have you tried in the past? Because you want them to literally list everything that they've tried, that they've spent money on. And then the leading question is, did you notice any success or improvement? And the reason why you want to follow up with that question is because hopefully the answer is no. And that's why they're on the call with you. So again, you're nurturing this whole sales call or meeting for them to simply hire you because you're going to be the yes in their business. You're going to be the solution, the reason why their business is going to take off or whatever it is, like in my case, why their stretch marks are going to be concealed or diminished because they've already tried every laser, cream, microneedling thing out there. So then I go into asking them, you know, what are your expectations and hopes for the camouflage tattoo? So this is where you can also vet your client like what are you hoping to get out of x y and z or what are you expecting to get out of this program like if I was an entrepreneur selling a program and then you're getting them to explain all their dreams and hopes so you've just had them explain all their pain points so that's the past and then you're getting them to envision the future which is hopefully with you where everything is going to magically be better and so that's a really important question to ask is what are your hopes and expectations because again you're getting them to believe that's all going to be held within you and then the other question I like to ask is why is that important or how would your life be different like for an entrepreneur how would your business be different if x y and z happened And they're just, again, now they're getting juiced up. They're getting super excited about their future with you. And then another great question. They're dreaming. Yes. And then the next question is, out of all the times to reach out, why now? And that is probably one of my favorite questions to ask. Because anytime you're about to ask someone to make a huge investment, or to spend a lot of money, most people, including myself, like if I'm about to buy a new car, the first thing I ask myself is, is this the right time? Is this the right timing for me to make this expense? I love this question in particular because it's so powerful because you didn't get them to call you. They found you online and then filled out a form to get your contact information or to book a time in your calendar for this consultation. And so you're basically putting it back on their plate, which is eliminating that excuse that this isn't the right time for me to do this because you're like, out of all the times to reach out, why now? And so for me, a lot of women will say, because it's finally time for me to focus on myself because I just had a divorce and I want to feel better about myself or the kids are now at an age where they're old enough and it's time for me to focus on me. Whatever those reasons are, even just simply asking that question helps eliminate that objective that so many people get into when they think about high ticket prices. And then when I send them an email, I just always assume the sale. Simply write them an email. Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for contacting me today. After everything that we've discussed, I'm certain that I can camouflage your stretch marks. Here is what you'll need to do to prepare for your procedure. And I'll literally include the pre-care instructions. A lot of my clients fly into Arizona to get it done because there's not a lot of us that offer it. So I'll include the airports that are closest to me, the hotels. When she reads that email, again, she's getting super excited and she's starting to envision herself going out to Arizona 
Brianna to get her stretch marks finally covered because she's tried so many other things in the past that didn't work. So I just always assume the sale and then I give her the formal quote. Or if we're completely connecting on the phone or on the consultation and they want to know price right off the bat, I'll just give it to them. Wow. So amazing. And if I remember correctly from our first call, are you now also helping other people get into this business? Do you have some type of program where you're educating other tattoo artists? Is that correct? Yes. So I train other aspiring tattoo artists to learn how to camouflage tattoo, whether or not they're experienced or brand new. And so you teach them, of course, the skill, the actual service that you help provide. But then there's all this business side of it. And I believe, I would imagine, you're also now helping them actually launch a business and sell themselves online. Is that something you're doing as well? In part of our training, we do go over the sales script and we go over how to do consultations. And I do give them my strategy as well about the entertaining, educating, and execution content. You know, it's really interesting because a lot of people can learn a new skill, right? Like I could have learned how to do sales and invest in that, but is up to me to actually follow through and to put that into play. I think people get really excited about being an entrepreneur and starting a business. But then once they learn the skills and they get certified, they aren't actually comfortable doing the legwork, which is really putting yourself out there and telling the world that you're now offering this or you're now doing this. And I think a lot of that is because people's fear of rejection and fear of failure. And so I would say out of all the students that I train, it really is an 80-20 rule, which is only 20% of them on average will go forth in starting their tattoo business and 80% of them will have just invested $4,800 to train and not do anything with it. And I've just learned as an educator and trainer to just learn how to accept that because not everyone is going to be ready or willing to really put in the work to start a business. They have the skills, but it's another ball game to put yourself out there and to do it. I think that's such important advice for anybody who's in the education space because I shared with you with my mastermind, I'm on the second cohort now, and after the first cohort, a lot of people didn't end up actually launching their podcast and didn't end up hitting publish and start putting themselves out there and promoting, and I felt really weird about it. I felt perhaps I'm not a good educator. Is there something I'm doing wrong? Am I overcomplicating the process? Am I not spending enough time in this area or this area? Should I have had more calls with them? Should I have held their hand longer? Should it have been a four-month program instead of three-month? I was so in my head and I took it all on me that I was the problem. And you're actually flipping that and actually telling us that that's actually totally predictable, it sounds like. Yes. And I used to feel the same way, Sam, like in the beginning as well. I was like, oh my gosh, maybe this is too complicated. Maybe I need to simplify things. And I had a mentor that was really great. And she basically said, I want you to think of yourself on a basketball court. The only thing that you're doing is meeting them on the halfway point. It's going to be up to them to meet you too, like to meet their half of the bargain. She's like, all you need to do is give them the tools that they need to have a solid foundation and to launch. And I think about like a fitness coach. 
A fitness coach can give you the meals to eat, the nutritional information that you need to know to eat healthier and be healthy. They can give you workouts, but they literally cannot do the push-ups for you. And so why is my business any different from that? And so that's what's really helped me not take it personally on doubting whether or not I was a good instructor because I know that, especially because I had to learn how to do what I do from someone else, I know that what I offer is better than what I started out with. And so it really is up to them to push forth. And then the other thing is that the difference between someone who wants to be an entrepreneur versus someone who is an entrepreneur is decisiveness. People who actually run successful businesses have less resistance in making decisions for their business than people who are new and have more resistance. And what I mean by more resistance is, what if this doesn't work? Or what should I try this? Or what about this? Or I don't know if I should do this. I'm not really sure if I should do this or that. One thing I notice is everyone who runs a successful business, they just make decisions. And then they pivot and improvise after. And so there's a lot less resistance to make movement forward versus someone who gets stuck literally in indecision. Freaking love that. That is so good. I definitely feel like I'm someone who can make quick decisions. Maybe sometimes I question it. I'm like, did I say yes to that too quickly? Did I move forward too quickly? But it has been, when I think about it from that lens, it has been attributed to my success. I move quickly and if it works, we double down. If it doesn't work, okay, we're adapting and I'm okay with that. And that's part of the dance of entrepreneurship that I think I play and I've never thought about it that way. So thank you. So we had, what, like an hour consultation phone call. That's the first time we ever met. And I immediately ran off and ran, right? You gave me a list of things to buy. You gave me some suggestions on what to use to edit my podcast episodes. Again, I had zero when I started with you. Literally an hour consultation with you. And I immediately was on Facebook Marketplace, bought a Yeti microphone, signed up for Descript, started playing around with it, which then led me to completing like five episodes since that one hour meeting. Like those were all decided of decisions and I ran with it. I didn't get stuck in thinking, what should I say? Or who's my niche market? Or maybe I should look into other microphones or maybe I should do another consultation with someone or I need more information in order to launch. No, I was like, I will take whatever you give me, boom, and run. I need like a hundred more of you. You're the (laughs) ideal client. (laughs) So let's talk about you and your journey to entrepreneurship and your freedom lifestyle. It sounds like you've basically always been an entrepreneur. How does the term freedom lifestyle resonate with you? I love that term. And when I think about it, I just think like I have creative freedom and financial freedom. Those are probably the two biggest freedoms that I want in life. I didn't know I was always going to be an entrepreneur. I just realized I sucked at working with or for other people. Like I would always have these jobs and they would love me, but I would get really bored and quit. And what I noticed was that I'd work for someone for two years, quit, and then work for some other company for only a year, quit. And then it's like the time span got shorter and shorter to the point where I was literally working for someone for a month and then I would quit. And Because they always loved me and were sad to let me go, that's what drew me into the entrepreneurial world where I was like, I really can't work for anyone but me. And though everyone says entrepreneurship obviously has its ups and downs, but the reward is to have so much freedom in 
however I want to express my creativity is probably the most important thing to me. And then also being able to make as much money as I want doing the thing that I want to do without anyone telling me what I can or can't. Like literally it's limitless. There's no glass ceiling. That's what draws me and motivates me to entrepreneurship. What have been the challenges for you? Because it sounds like it's been so amazing. You're in flow, you're making money, you're growing your business and you're improving. You no longer have that boss. You're no longer quitting, which I can definitely resonate with. But are there things that you had to give up or things that you miss about maybe your old life? I think in the beginning, I was always a little jealous of my friends who did work corporate America and they had retirement and health benefits. I think being an entrepreneur, not a lot of us have health benefits. And so those were really the only things that I envied. Often in the beginning, you're really not making a lot of money. So I was envious that they had a stable paycheck. But I think just doing what I've been doing for a long time. I'm like, okay, this isn't my first rodeo. I just have to keep pushing forth, stay consistent, and things will turn. And then if things don't turn, like for an example, the sales example that I gave you guys, which is, you know, I sucked at high ticket sales. It's taking full responsibility that because this is my business, I'm then responsible in shifting this and being humble enough to be like, I suck at sales. I need to invest in learning how to do sales and then trying it on for size. So when I think about the risk of entrepreneurship, I definitely think they're minimal compared to the rewards. But for things that I sacrifice, maybe just the normal things, sometimes being a mom, I always forget I'm a mom because I'm like, my business is my baby. So sometimes, you know, I'm not always available for the family or not really into doing a lot of like typical mommy things. But at the same time, I just really embrace who I am. Like, girl, I'm not perfect. And I just, I go with the flow. Uh, So I guess it's like, if I'm going to spend time dwelling on things, It's not going to be the negative stuff. Anytime you put yourself out there, you're an easy target for people to judge, but they don't pay my bills. And I always just think about that, that, you know, they're just jealous. And at the end of the day, they're not helping me grow my business. So I'm not going to waste my time even thinking about them. Wow. So good. Well, I think it's a testament to how much work you've done personally and your own personal development to handle a lot of these things. Thank you so much, Jade. It's been amazing having you on the show. There's so much great wisdom here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sam. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. If you are new to this show, I'm so glad you found me and you found this show. I would invite you to join our online community on Facebook where you can connect with some of the freedom seekers who appear on this show or those who are aspiring to be freedom seekers themselves where in this group we're sharing a lot of resources and connecting and finding freedom together. So I've included that link in the show notes and I'd also love for you to check out a few more episodes while you're at it. I'm really proud of the guests that I've created this season, as well as the past four seasons that I've had this podcast. You'll also find some solo episodes from me. So have a scroll, see what titles interest you and stick around. I'm so happy you're here until next time. Enjoy your freedom.